This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to A Complete History of Manchester United. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, author and producer of several Manchester United books and films, joined as always by Paddy Barclay, the legendary football journalist and writer, author of the definitive biography of Sir Matt Busby. That's the official title. The other biographies is written of of Jose Mourinho and Alex Ferguson don't carry the title of definitive biographies, but I can tell you they're definitive. Um, (laughs) We are taking you on this journey through Old Trafford history. If you're watching the video, please give it a like and subscribe. Joining the conversation in the comments section. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe. Give us a review on the platform you are listening on. Today, Paddy, we are going to be talking about the 1978-1979 season for United. Um, Dave Sexton, he's had a year in charge at the club. He now really needed to kick off in style. Uh, More like his team needed to do that as well. You've got no Gordon Hill. He's been sold. Gordon McQueen and Joe Jordan have come in and, and they actually score in the first two games for United uh, wins over West Brom and Leeds, but then there's no win in the first five league, uh, in the next five league games. In fact, there's two embarrassing defeats at home to Bristol City and then 5-1 at Birmingham. It's a really rocky start to the season. Um, obviously, by now, the club, or the supporters at least, they knew that they were seeing a very different United side to what they'd seen previously under Tommy Docherty. Um, Sexton w- was hoping that they'd get a really strong start to this second season. And it just... You wouldn't say that it was running away from him because in football terms, I mean, that might be the case these days. After a manager's got 12 months in charge, they might say something like that. It was still too early in the process to say that for sure, wasn't it? But it, yeah, was, yeah. It, was, it was troubling, to say the least. Yes, and, and it was difficult to explain if you looked at the, the quality on the pitch. I mean, the, the signings of McQueen and Jordan the previous year had been, well, they were no-brainers, really. I mean, they were for big fees. Um, but um, they, were, they were good signings. They were, they were backbone signings. You know, the, the, the old adage, you know, you need a a goalkeeper, centre half, you know, central midfielder and striker. You know that the, that back it, that that backbone was certainly being attended to um, with uh, with good players. That you you centre backs McQueen and and Buchan still there. Um, you know you could some Sammy McElroy 
playing in a more creative midfield role. Um, and 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 sort of still Jimmy Green off up front, you know, enjoying a by now, I suppose he would be well over 30, so sort of an Indian summer playing as beautifully as ever in 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 most games. So it was difficult really to explain those results, uh, given the investment. Mickey Thomas had come in for Gordon Hill. And uh while in retrospect you know, and 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 an artist was being replaced by an artist. Actually, that's not really fair to Mickey Thomas, who's a very good player. But um, you know, he he wasn't Gordon Hill. He was a he was a magician. You know, and so it was uh, it was still a good side. You know, Mickey Thomas, very very good player. I'm not. You know, it sounds almost as if I'm knocking him, but I'm not. I mean, it was a. It, it, you know, everybody wanted him at the time. You know, I, I think. Um, Maybe Paisley didn't fancy him, but, but but if Shankly had still been in charge of Liverpool, he would have taken him. Shankly adored yeah. Mickey Thomas. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was difficult to explain those those disappointing results, particularly the Birmingham one. Yeah, um, then there were the four defeats over Christmas. So they lose against Bolton, 3-0 mm. away, and then these three consecutive home games spread over six, seven weeks because... Um, there was no league game in January. They played a couple of FA Cup games, but, mm. uh, but because it was a very, the... very cold winter, wasn't it? That one, yeah, yeah. But they lost and, and on the pitch as well. United lose 3 0 to, to Liverpool on Boxing Day. It was a very memorable game to Ron Atkinson's West Brom 5 3. A few days after that, um, on the 30th of December, uh, renowned for oh, wonderful game of football, that yeah. It's one of those that always gets replayed on the the big match. The atmosphere was incredible. Um, Brian was. Green, um, who by now was playing right back, even though he'd been the man of the match at centre half in the FA Cup final because of McQueen coming in. Um, a place had to be found for Brian, usually at right back, and he scored this goal from twenty five yards on the half volley, but probably the best goal of his career. Although when yep. you talk to him, he got further back every time. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I talked to him was a 50-yard volley. Um, but United lost 3-0. Uh, sorry, three consecutive games, 3-0 against uh, Liverpool, 5-3 against West Brom, and then 2-0 at home to Arsenal. And really, it was only the cup run at this point that was saving Sexton because, yes, maybe at the start of the season, it might have seemed like it was too soon, but in the mid-season, the fans were starting to turn against him. The football was so dire. Um there wasn't a sign that it was going to improve. And this was the age really where a cup run could save a manager. Mm. And that's what it, it seemed to be. So United were sort of picking up in the league um, after the, the cup form sort of helped them along. Uh, you know, at that point you've got um, a run of form in the league where Andy Ritchie comes into the side. He's a young striker. Mm. And he scores five in six in the league, including a hat-trick yeah. against Leeds. Um, mm. a, and I really think at that moment in time, I talked to Martin Edwards about this, about you know whether how how early it was that um, that Dave would have been looking at you know being under pressure. Of course, it, you know Louis Edwards was still in charge at this point. So Martin, as you will know, if it wasn't under his governance, he kind of ducks the question and sort of says, "Well, yeah. you know, we felt that there, right. there could still be something to be done under Dave." And I guess this mini resurgence in March, thanks to the cup run, probably really saved mm-hmm. Dave from the sack at that point, even even only sort of 18 yeah. months in, because United, as we know, 
had a good track record for dismissing managers in mid-season, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah, they did. But I think, yes, there were things. I mean, you know, I, I just said a moment ago, it, it's difficult to explain, but when, when a, a team is not... Is, is adding up to less than the sum of its parts. You know, you know that there's something wrong uh, besides the scenes. I think Dave was such a a pop a, a, a well-respected man, I would say, uh, in the game uh, that people will wished him well. Uh, but I think uh, there was members of his of his coaching team, Tommy Cav, uh, Kavanagh, Tommy Kavanagh. Scouser, you know, uh, he divided opinion. Um, and there was also a division of opinion about, about Dave himself, whether he was right for Manchester United um, in the way that Doherty had been and, and, and to an extent, Ron Atkinson would be. Uh, Ron Atkinson, manager of uh, West Bromwich, I think, on that famous yeah. day, would he, he would, would have been. Um, so he was you know, demonstrating his credentials for the succession to Old Trafford, although I'm sure he, neither he nor any of the crowd knew it. But um, yes, there was clearly something wrong uh, wrong behind the scenes in terms of the players' relations with Dave and his, and his coaching team. Yeah, and I think um, Sammy alluded to it on the previous podcast that we had with him. Um, yes. There was a kind of like an abrasion there with Kavanagh and Sexton. You know, it was it was sort of contrary to the kind of football that Kavanagh believed in. And even though um, none of the players will go on record and say that Kavanagh didn't do everything that Sexton asked of him, uh -huh. they could see some of the old enthusiasm wasn't quite the same. And when you lose the enthusiasm and momentum like United had done um, over that two-year spell, very difficult to regain it um, in, in football. It's one of the hardest things to do. Um, mm. You know, I'd had this upturn in form in the sort of very early spring, um, late winter, but then um, they tailed off as the cup run sort of took its own life uh, in terms of moving forward. The league form really did tail off in United. I think they won two from the last 13, um, both of those home games, one against Norwich, 1-0, one, one against Wolves, 3-2. So both of those goals... Uh, both those games by a single goal, really um, uninspiring. Finished the season in ninth place in the league, uh, minus three goal difference, um, mm. 63 goals conceded, which tells you a lot about this team. I mean, 60 goals in 42 scored isn't a great return anyway, but 63, considering that the payoff was supposed to be that United would be more pragmatic, mm -hmm. it signed players to be a bit more pragmatic, that really wasn't um, working. But as we've said, it was the strength of the cup, um, and particularly the FA Cup, Paddy, because and the FA Cup alone, because there was a, an embarrassment in the League Cup. They lost to um, Watford at home. Yeah. So everything was pinned on the FA Cup, and even that run wasn't inspiring. I mean, the fixtures here. Yeah, I mean, they, they win against Chelsea in the third round. The a tie against Fulham goes to a replay. They win at Colchester by a single goal. The tie at Spurs goes to a replay, which they get through 2-0 at home. And even then, they get to the semi-final against Liverpool, a, a rematch from the 77 final. And even that one goes to a replay, even though in this tie in particular, it's a lot more exciting. The first game, the 2-2 game, is a lot more exciting than um, than the final, at least. Um, Greenoff decides, the, the Jimmy Greenoff decides the replay um, at Goodison. 
Yeah. Actually delivered through the across by Mickey Thomas. Yes. Fantastic stoop header from Greenoff. And finally, finally, yeah. at that last moment in the early April, it starts to look like Sexton's decisions are paying off for once. Yeah, it does. I mean, that, that replay against Liverpool that you mentioned, I think it took place at Goodison Park. And uh, it was a wonderful, actually, it was a very good performance. It was a good, very, very good game. But an indication of how well United performed that night uh, was that Ray Cle some of the goalkeeping of Ray Clements was, was just unbelievable. Better than, I think, really proved why he was the late Ray was one of the greatest English goalkeepers of all time. He was heroic that night and uh and yet and yet lost yeah you're quite right jimmy greenoff header from a bouncing cross a, a sort of mark robbins header yeah. you might say and uh anyway that's that that was that and, and and i think the goal came about 15 minutes from the end and and it it re manchester united really looked like a big club again in that game and the fact that we, you know Wembley was familiar territory I think there was uh you know I watched I watched the the, the semi-final replay before we before we came came on air Wayne and uh you know there was a hell of a noise that night it was yeah. wonderfully atmospheric and and I think that that was a sort of uh I don't know sort of a, a feeling that United had had reawoken and uh well we're, let's let's see what happens next it, it was a strange one because the first um, semi-final was at, at main road and i think liverpool felt that they had the advantage because they were on united's enemy territory yeah and as soon as they got the replay and you know it was decided it would be played at goodison united had that feeling as well so uh, strange how those kind of and i think that's that was the charm of the fa cup in those days when the semi wasn't played at wembley that you yes. could have a neutral venue that that would throw up a storyline like that because it really did kind of play into the the theme of the games didn't it Yes, yes, absolutely. I remember later in the Ferguson, uh, the early Ferguson years, you know, uh, United winning a, a semi-final against uh, against Oldham at at, at uh, Main Road. Um, that was, I think, I'm not sure if that was replayed, but it was a it was an absolute classic of a match. Yeah. And of course, the same day, um, Crystal Palace were beating Liverpool four three in a. Uh, in in a different sort of a game, but an equal an equally great game. I mean, probably the two best semi-finals ever held, or to, you know, to aggregated, you know, together. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're quite right. It it, it did. It, there wasn't a lot of charm about uh, about playing on yeah playing on your your rivals' ground. Yeah. Um, United get to the final. They play against Arsenal. Um, very difficult um, performance from United. They don't really show up in the first half of the game. Um, they two 0 down, mm -hmm. and they really—it's a flat performance. You know, they the two 0 down in. Let's just see the the time. You know, the the goals for that. Let me refresh my memory with it. Yes, yeah, with Sunderland and Stapleton, I think. Yeah, and. Yeah, United, they, they're really bereft of ideas and that, they're not motivated by Sexton in the dressing room. He does little to sort of say, all right, you know, he doesn't give them a rousing speech in terms of, you know, go out there. And if you look at it, when you watch the game back, you know, United are fairly unlucky. I mean, they, it's not like they're, they're particularly brilliant in the um, mm. 
in, in the game, but they're cut out really the goals, the timing of the goals, because they it's like both of the goals, it's Talbot and Stapleton who scored. Uh, the I, I Talbot, uh, that's right. It, there was a doubt about whether uh, Sunderland or Talbot had got the first one. It was given to Talbot. They they sort of went in together um, on a rebound, and and it was it, it, it you know spoiler alert the the match has a very exciting finish, but it was a dreadful match up to then. It was one of those those poor Wembley finals, in my opinion. I remember. It, it being being bored stiff, and but of course it's because of the finish. A little bit like uh, the 1999 Champions League final in Barcelona, yeah. a dreadful match, and and, and yet um, it's remembered as a as a classic because of the finish. And and yeah. this this cup final was the same. But anyway, uh, we we mustn't spoil the ending. Well, we can. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> so. The second half, yeah, United felt like they not quite sucker punches, but they were starting to feel their way back into the game. Uh, you know, when Arsenal were dominating, and then they were caught on not necessarily counters, but Arsenal caught them with two goals. And from that moment, and in the second half, because Arsenal had a two goal lead and they were really good at controlling that, um, United found it very difficult to get back into the game until the 86th minute when Gordon McQueen scores uh, from a set piece. That leaves yeah. sort of floodgates opening, and not in the sense that United are bombarding the goal, but there's just an increased panic in the Arsenal defence, and that's the kind of thing that um, really sets up the goal, mm. which is the equaliser a couple of minutes later. Um, I'm quite generous with Sammy because I know him quite well, and he, he's the man who scores the equaliser for United in the 88th minute. It's a good solo goal. It goes around a couple of challenges, um, very. You know, his slight frame gets in there and hopes it past the um, Pat Jennings in goal. Pat yeah. Jennings with those massive hands of his, he yeah. manages to get it past him and in, into the net. Um, yeah. Don't worry, he, listen. Don't don't worry about about frothing about that goal, Wayne, because it was a magnificent goal. He actually he he, he sits uh, David O'Leary down, and bear in mind, David O'Leary is one of, although he's, he's only twenty one at the time, he's one of the best central defenders. You know, around in the game, super yeah. wonderful player, and then, and then after doing that, he nutmegs the other one, who I think was Steve Walford. Yeah, and that's actually a nutmeg. I mean, that was cheeky, and uh, I, I would say it's one of the goals that's never really Wembley goals that's never had as much credit as it it deserves. But anyway, um, perhaps we'll set it in context later, um, or in a wee, in a wee minute. Yeah. Um, because yeah, there, there's a good pass by Coppel as well. Good pass for yeah. Sammy by Coppel. It was a very good goal. Anyway, sorry, carry on. No, it was a bit. It's one of those moments where, you know, first of all, the goal itself. You know, Sammy doesn't really talk about it in terms of it being, you know, one of his greatest. I mean, he's proud to have scored in the the final. And if anyone watches it back, it is a lot better than what he gives it credit for. He'll he'll brush it over. Yeah. He's a modest man anyway, but yeah, he's um, he a he is a great goal. And you know, I think he puts a, a little bit um, of it down to fortune or element. You know, like the elements sort of going for him. But um, mm. if you watch it back, I think he controls a lot of those elements himself and yes. deserves all the credit for it. So. This is the, I mean, you can bl blame Dave Sexton's pragmatism or you can look at the um, defining moments and, and the very fine lines that you get in sport. And this was one of those, really, because there are a couple of 
decisions. Yeah. Sammy, one of the things that he blames himself on is that he takes a, a time celebrating. But what would you do if you just equalised in the FA Cup final when your team was 2-0 down yeah. two minutes ago? He blamed himself. He says, well, I was celebrating a little bit too much. Um, I took too long. The other element is that Brian Greenoff, who'd been a substitute all season, obviously, as we said, man of the match in the previous cup final, he's about to be brought on. Um, he's he stripped off, ready to go. But then when it gets to 2-2, Sexton says, no, put your jacket back on. You're not coming on. Now, Brian, when he was alive, he, he was obviously, I mean, you go over these things in your head, and Brian obviously was of the belief that if you'd have killed the game at that moment and brought him on, killed a few more seconds, then mm. the following wouldn't have happened. Um, Paddy, tell us what the following was. Well, I, okay. I'll, I I mean, I, I wonder if what was in Dave's mind was uh, extra time. Um, you know, which at that moment was, was destined. It appeared to be destined. But no, um, they... Uh, I don't know who was voted man of the match that that day, but um, for me it was one of a, a classic display of Brady, Liam Brady, brain power. Yeah. He uh, had been influential on the game before, but never more than now, because they say a team's you know vulnerable just after it scored, and and this was the classic example of it in terms of Manchester United, whether Sammy was culpable to a, a percentage point i don't know but uh united were broken on far too easily brady went up up the uh the left wing where arsenal had had, had actually had a bit of joy earlier in the game uh graham ricks was overlapping as so often he did uh he hit a, a what turned out to be a brilliant cross it was way over the beyond the far it was very hard hard hit cross and it went way beyond the far post completely fooling gary bailey who got under it and was left sort of wafting a hand at thin air as it sailed over his head to the far post uh, where alan sunderland put it in the net for the winner and that was it uh united you know elated and then crushed within the what was it a minute something like that uh and as i say great final for neutrals um great finish uh to the game um you know for the for the country as a whole and for the fa cup um but but really crushing for united and certainly the last thing that the the sexton regime needed at that time yeah um it's difficult to know really when you look back at the game and you see, you know, obviously the pause or the delay in, you know, making that change and not making yeah. it at all. Um, yeah. Those kind of things, whether you can blame the manager. You, you, I, I think in on the balance of things, you look at the last five minutes of a game of football and it's as frantic as it was. It's yeah. difficult to point the finger at anyone because the game just takes, it just takes shape and it does, you know, that's the beauty of football and you sort of, like a, a slave to it, a witness to it, and yeah, you know yeah. everyone involved is in in that aspect. But uh, one one thing that is interesting yeah. about Dave's extent from this is not so much what he did in the match, but what he did after it. Because after the game, he's involved in the obviously the television coverage where they're talking about um, yeah 
about it. Now, everyone can remember Tommy Doherty. If you've been watching this series or listening to yeah. it, you know Tommy Doherty in 1976 said, we're going to come back and we're going to win the final. He was always very brash about, you know, predicting, you know, United are going to come back up and all that sort of stuff. He was yes. so bold and brash with the way that he'd make predictions and, and yeah. uh, the sort of protestations defending his side. Well, Dave Sexton, after the game, basically comes out and says it was this is i mean says everything about him as a person he says it's a privilege to be part of such a memorable final uh-huh. um this is this is the problem with dave you know that um they they say um actually before before i answer that i i, I made a reference to extra time before i don't think there was extra time in an initial fa cup final at that time was there uh, I think the I think it was brought in. It, it was only after a replay, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have gone to a replay. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, uh, please um, forget, forget put that down to um, um, forgetfulness. But uh, yes, Dave was a very nice man, and uh, you. Probably two. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Of the great English coaches of that era, and, and, and perhaps two of the 10 best English coaches of of the century were uh, Dave and Don Howe. They were universally respected. And um, neither will be remembered as a great manager. Um, And, you know, I think these are two of the guys who, uh, you you know, two two classic examples of of the great coach uh, who doesn't make a great manager. Um, The... And part of the reason why some great coaches don't make great managers, there, there are various reasons, but it's sometimes the case that the guy's just too nice. And this, he had the reaction of a sportsman after the game. Now, by saying it was, it was great for the neutrals, that was, that was right and that was good, but that wasn't uh, what uh, his team... Or the uh, or Manchester United wanted to hear, and it shouldn't have been his first reaction. If you, if you if you're if you're really cruel about it in in in, in judging it after the event. So um, I mean I don't know about you, Wayne. As a Manchester United supporter, I, I winced when I heard that, and and I'm not a Manchester United supporter. What would what would your reaction have been? I yeah, you're probably only about two years old, eh? I wasn't born for for this one, but obviously I've watched it <laughs> a few times because but of the play. Yeah. You know, yeah, because I, you know, I've obviously worked with all those players, and I've watched it every single time I've worked with the players just to make sure that you know I'm getting it from their perspective. And every time you come to that Sexton line, and he, and he says it, and he's still, I'm not going to say jarring because it's not. But when you look at the bravado of Docker, and you you look at the fact that he was brought in, um, also, almost a deliberately because his personality was such a contrast to O'Farrell you yeah. understood because the club had consciously done that they'd made a decision at that point and and I know that Docky was very very different in terms of Busby because Busby had this sort of charm and charisma whereas yeah. Docky was a bit Machiavellian rather than charming um mm. you know 
he, he was kind of like you couldn't trust him. Whereas Busby, you would trust him, even some people to their fault. Um, but Doherty sort of knew he was a bit of a rogue. Um, yeah, yeah he, was, he was cunning and crafty and sly. And uh, I don't think Dave had too much of that in him. No, you know, and uh, and that, that that may well have been, as I say, why why um, he didn't. I mean, even even Busby. I mean, people say, yeah, great man and and and, and lovely man, which he which he was in many ways. But he had a calculating side about him as well, and yeah. uh, and of course Ferguson did. Um, I don't think Dave had that sort of uh, that sort of cunning uh, frame of mind. No, and I think by this point it was probably fair to say that there was some of the players that were losing that conviction in him to yeah. to be that way because you know they all loved Doke that it wasn't well they all with the odd notable exception <laughs> yeah. um, players kind of like really as a squad they they loved Doke um, and, and this isn't about Tommy we're two years removed from him it's about what Dave was bringing to the role and and even the positive aspects of this pragmatism you could say it was completely absent in this season because they they conceded a lot of goals and in this moment you know obviously the FA Cup they hadn't started really well there you know if you're not inspiring going forward at least be resolute in defense and they hadn't been that in the first half and then the last 10 minutes were almost completely kamikaze which was not in the Sexton playbook at all you know the way that United came back into the game wasn't from, from a Sexton drill it was United sort of playing on their own instincts, like muscle memory had kicked in, where sort of the most memorable post-Dockety performances had been the ones where they seemed to resemble that kamikaze, you know, the Porto game where they came back and almost came uh, through to win. Um, that was evoking the spirit of Dockety and not really going with the pragmatic Sexton style. So it, yeah. it, it was, I think for me, it's more an interesting character study because this was the one where you look at it and think, no, you need you can kind of see what United are missing now in terms of that personality and the dugout, and you can see the impact that it has on the team. You know, it's mm. not just a, a ruse; it's not like a press dig. It's a it, this is an actual manifestation in there, and it does have an impact to that personality of the manager. It's very clear to see, mm -hmm. uh, and and the commander. Obviously, the players respected him; they respected him immensely, um, especially once he'd got. By this point, he was kind of moving out the players like Stuart Pearson and and Gordon, all the players who were mm -hmm. uh, outspoken against him, or not even outspoken against him, but weren't players of his of his nature. He was making those moves anyway. And the other players like Martin Buchan and Steve Koppel, the more um, you would say delib deliberative, um, yeah, education, you know, the educated players. They they yeah. were. They were fond of Sexton. They liked what he was trying to do. They just, yeah. I think, that to a man, they sort of even they knew that he wasn't didn't yeah. carry the same kind of charisma as, as Sexton. But having said that, the fact that they got to the final did nonetheless mean that he was going to be um, sticking around for a while. He, he sort of earned a stay of execution to to build for for the summer, and we'll see how well that goes in the seventy nine eighty season. Um, let's go through the squad then. Um, first of all, you mentioned Gary Bailey. He's a new name in the series. Mm. He was the um, new goalkeeper. Alex Stepney left. He'd gone to Dallas Tornado. A lot of players 
making their way over to the NASL for the sort of dying throws of the money spinning over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was money spinning because they did not know what they were doing in the league at that point. Um, allegedly, I'm not casting any aspersions, but it's well documented. <laughs> this is a, a Manchester United podcast, not an NASL podcast. You can find all that in documentation elsewhere. Uh, but Bailey um, made an instant impression, um, more more respectable in, in goal than Paddy Roach. Paddy Roach played 14 league appearances and 16 appearances in total, but Stepney, uh, Bailey came in, made 37 appearances, 28 of those in the league, played in all the FA Cup ties. Um, he'd offered himself to United on a trial and turned up at the team hotel before a game. Um, Sexton took him on. Uh, he yeah. was praised for keeping a clean sheet on his debut against Ipswich, but then blamed and people were wondering if United had got themselves a dud when he let in three at Everton three days after that. Um, he was unfortunate. You, you mentioned the cross, the um, the power of the cross um, in yeah. the final, but for a long time, Bailey did get the stigma um, attached to him for that. Um, he, he did, uh, no spoilers, but he does redeem himself in a future final, um, but he does... Um, he was getting a lot of criticism. But yeah, as, as you can see by his appearance total, he was um, definitely a reliable goalkeeper for a, a long period of time. Yes, very um, much so. Reliable, the buzzword for many of the defenders. Arthur Albiston played 42 appearances, 33 in the league without scoring a goal. Martin Buchan, 48 appearances, two goals in the league in 37 games. Stuart Houston recovered from that broken leg and, and really making a good, solid contribution with 25 appearances, 22 in the league. Gordon McQueen, seven goals from 47 appearances, six in 36. And Jimmy Nickel, 29 appearances, no goals, 21 appearances in the league. Steve Patterson, we mentioned him in a previous podcast, makes three appearances in the league. Brings us on to the um, new defenders in the team. The first of those, Tom Connell, a fullback who turned 21 during this season. He makes just two league appearances. They're the only two appearances that he makes at the club. He's from Northern Ireland. He deputised for Stuart Houston on the left. Um, he played in those Christmas defeats that I mentioned, you know, the Bolton defeat at home. Uh, away, sorry, and Liverpool at home. Um, he played as a regular in the reserves, but he was eventually sold under the next manager for a fee of 37000 Not anything to be sniffed at at that time uh, for a reserve yeah. player. And Kevin Moran makes one single appearance this season, the start of a distinguished career. A Dublin-born player of two disciplines. He played Gaelic football and traditional association football. He played for Bohemians um, as a centre-half as bo- in both sports as well. He was spotted by Billy Bean and signed for United in early 1978, makes his debut against Southampton in April. He was an exceptionally brave defender, an exceptional defender as well by the um, appearance tally, as you can tell. He should have played a lot more, but he had a lot of injury issues, um, mainly because he was so brave that he would throw himself into tackles that um, perhaps he had no right to win. Often he did with it. Often he came out the worst. And a note on Kevin um, Paddy, because he was an extremely good defender. Yes, he was. He was. He, he was a good defender, not tall, um, but but decent in the air. He was good enough, actually. To uh, he played a couple of games in midfield. You know, he was he was a good sportsman and um, very athletic, hard as nails, all all sharp. Elbows and knees, you know. Yeah. Um, he was raw, I would say, but yes, he could play. And uh, 
a very for for such a warrior you know he was a sweet sweet sort of lad you know very soft spoken and uh, and polite you know uh, nice nice lad but yeah. Uh, yeah but 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 a warrior you know uh, he, he he saw sport as a as combat yeah he certainly did um but united needed that they did need some of that steel as well and they would need it over the forthcoming years definite fan favorite at united um the midfielders steve Coppel, another byword for consistency 12 goals in 53 games 11 in 42 ever present in every single game that season uh, Brian Greenoff, um, listed as a midfielder this season. Like I said, he, he played some games in midfield, but mostly at right back. He scored three goals in 40 games, um, 33 of those games in the league. Ashley Grimes, one goal in 21 appearances, 16 of those in the league, but 11 of those 21 were a substitute. Lou Macari, now a bona fide midfielder, scored six goals in 38 games, six in 32 in the league. We D McCreary and um, David McCreary. <laughs> 16 appearances, um, 15 in the league without scoring a goal. Chris McGraw, two substitute appearances in the league without scoring a goal. Sammy Mack, his goal in the FA Cup final was one of eight. That was 51 appearances, 40 in the league with five goals. That brings us on to Tom Sloan, another Northern Irish lad. Sloan had played 40 league games for Ballymena before United signed him in the summer before the season started for a fee of £20,000. He only played four games in this season, uh, but he earned three caps for his country by the an end of the campaign. Um, yeah, a, a decent squad selection for United. Three starts and a substitute appearance. The other midfielder that United played that season was Mickey Thomas. As you mentioned, he was the replacement for Gordon Hill. He'd already played over 200 times for Wrexham. Um, he was heavily coveted. A fee of £300,000 was needed to sign him for United. His numbers immediately reflective of the difference between him and his predecessor in that number 11 shirt. Mickey Thomas um, scores just twice in 33 games, just one in 25 league appearances. Um Having said that, I mean, you, you said it earlier, he was still a fantastic winger. He was just very different. He was like Koppel on the right, on the left-hand side. Yeah. But that's what... Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, wide midfielder, but but could could cross. You know, sort of... Uh, yeah, he probably wouldn't have seen himself as a winger. But, but yeah, he, he fulfilled that function. He gave you balance on the left-hand side, yeah. Yeah, um, he was a tremendous worker on the pitch. Nobody would shout, I doubt his work rate. He did no. seem to struggle with the confidence issues of the step up, and he's yeah. openly talked about that since. But yeah. um, anyone who's met Mickey Thomas, I'm sure you've had the pleasure. Um, Paddy, yeah. he is such a remarkable, lively character. He is, um, yeah. But, uh, 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 what you call it, um, you know, um, hyperactive personality, you know, always on the go. Um, Nice lad, and uh, and yeah, good, good, good player. I mean, I, but just the one thing I would add, you know, he came to United, although he did, yes, he, he has confessed to sort of um, finding it difficult to take this, this step up in class. But of course, if you signed a player from Wrexham now, you'd say, well, Manchester United signed a player from Wrexham. You know, <laughs> they, they usually sign them from Ajax or something. Yeah. But uh, the 
in those days, Wrexham had a very, very good team. So he had Europe. He came with European experience. They yeah. uh, Wrexham because they won the Welsh Cup every year. They would get lots of. And one year, year they got to the uh, quarterfinals of the Cup Winners Cup. Uh, you know, had some very good uh, European experience down at the race course. So he, you know, he 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 wasn't wet behind the ears when he came to Old Trafford. No, um, I've got a very quick story about um, Mickey actually. Um, so a few a few weeks ago, as a recording this podcast, mm. um, my friend was over from California, and we went to see Sammy, yeah. and we Sammy Mac at, um, at, at services because that's where I would do some of my work with him for for the book. And we yeah. said my friend was over. He's like, oh, can we meet Sammy? I, I asked Sammy. He said, yeah, fine, no problem. So we went to we're in this coffee shop in the services, and. All of a sudden, Mickey Thomas just walks in in the door, and all the things you just said about him. I, I've met, I've been fortunate enough to meet Mickey loads of times. He's always been very pleasant and, and supportive of my work. But he buzzed over to Sammy, and buzzing is the word. He buzzed over to Sammy. He was like, he was almost like he was in a panic to be there. Like he didn't know he, why he was supposed to be there. And he goes and he's like, oh, I'm getting a coffee. I'm getting a coffee, Mike. I'm getting a coffee. And he goes over to the coffee, and he's like. I just need to go to the shop. I just need to, and he's like all over the place. And he's like, "What is he doing?" And, and Sammy was bewildered. I had no idea. Um, but if you if you have been in the company of Mickey Thomas, that's kind of what he's like. He's just everywhere, yeah. and none of it seems to make much sense. But it's always so much fun. <laughs> yeah, and and he does. I don't, I don't know. We must be. How old would he be now, Mickey? But. And I bet he still looks like a wee boy, a little yeah, boy. Yeah, he's, he's a little pixie, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, we should say as well, he's um, fought cancer and, and beat it um, at yeah. least once. He's, well he's a, a magnificent character and very, very inspiring, a good lad. Um, he's so funny because we talked about how he, he's, um, he was... Guess intimidated by the stage of Old Trafford, but if you ever met him, he's such an extrovert character that you just wouldn't think it. Um, but yeah, a, a great man, a great guy, um, and had some controversy in his later career. You should pick up a copy, a copy of his book. Neither pa- Paddy or I wrote that one, so we can. Um, yeah, I, I can't claim that we're, we're unfairly using our space for advertising. It's a great yeah. story. So, um, yeah, but I should definitely look that one up because I haven't read it. Yeah, brilliant. The um, forward line then. Okay, so Stuart Pearson makes just two appearances. Both of those were in the FA Cup before. He's, he's really suffering from injury problems. I think it's in the summer that he gets sold to West Ham. Um, Joe Jordan, 10 goals in 37 appearances, just six in 30 in the league. Jimmy Greenoff, um, 17 in 44 in all competitions, 11 in 33 in the league. So it really is an Indian summer. Yeah. Remember that Jimmy wasn't really a renowned goal scorer in terms no. of getting all the numbers. So he, he really, that is a good number for Jimmy this season. Yeah. Um, and finally, although his name's not on the screen and I'll get a graphic from next season, Andy Ritchie is introduced into the team this season. 10 goals in 21 appearances. Yeah. And in 17 in the league, a really, really good return from... Andy. How many in 17, did you say? Sorry. 10 in 17. Well, that's fantastic. You know, I can remember um, absolutely going crazy about Andy Ritchie when he first came into the team. I thought, uh, you know, he was going to be a fantastic player the hat trick you mentioned against Leeds it was spectacular yeah and uh, I went completely overboard and uh, one or two people said yeah but he's yeah he can shoot but he hasn't got the pace and the mobility 
and 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 probably in the end they were proved right. But what an exciting uh, uh, bow he he took on the, on the field. He he delighted Old Trafford, particularly that the Leeds game. I'll never forget. Yeah. Um... Don't worry, Paddy. There's plenty of your writing for for other United players that were introduced into the side that'll be referenced as the season. Because we're now in the era of Aunt Paddy's fantastic writing that I can reference back to. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll be making sure to take advantage of that for mm-hmm. sure. There was a great write-up for one forward that I'm going to be talking about in the future. I'm sure that you remember me talking to you about it before, but yeah. um, I'm not going to spoil it for listeners now. Um, let's go on to the tactics then. So this is a four four two. This is a definite four four two, by the way. This isn't the four two four as seen under Docker. This is a flat four in midfield, couple and Thomas working the wings. And mm-hmm. Albertson really now um he's become the first choice at left back. Mm-hmm. And as you can see Jimmy Nickel, even though um only you know playing twenty one games, he's the first choice because he's the guy who starts the final. This is effectively the cup final team and the one that um Dave Sexton preferred. It's got a lot of physicality at the back with McQueen and it still has that sort of scampishness in midfield with McElroy and McCorry. Um, but it, there's a lot more workman-like qualities in that team than you would have said under Tommy Docker. Um, still a great side. Everyone uh, loves all of those players. There's not one that, you know, the, the United fans think, oh, they shouldn't have played for the club. Um, it mm. just it just didn't quite work it. And maybe it was the direction of the manager. You know, it didn't have that same kind of buzz as it did under the Doherty era. Mm. Um, United's colours, they're red, white and black. They, um, I think it's the first time, um, no, they're, they're still with Admiral at this point. Um, so that's the red, white and black. And then the uh, very cool away kit, which was why um, Admiral and Ad did I said had been in dispute over this. So originally when United had the kit, it was um with four stripes and they had an agreement basically where Adidas um they had the trademark over it. They you know they had to amend it to four stripes but then they, they reached an agreement so Ad, uh, Admiral could um have three stripes on it. So that was the agreement that's how it looks this season um the third kit was like the home shirt um exactly the same but where where it was red it was blue um a nice number actually that one um so that's that uh, united review as we always i'm sure we've got this one this time around different last time you you might remember paddy although it was a a time ago since we recorded but it was a landscape they they moved the format last time this time it's back to the um, traditional sort of portrait mode and there's some great programs from this season um i've tried to get a picture of the christmas one um because they were doing the christmas graphics on um it's really nice design actually um but you can see there 15p for a program set your back mm-hmm. um I, I quite like it to be 15p these days but it's not um average attendance at old trafford is down uh, by five thousand actually so maybe the supporters are voting with their feet paddy yeah, yeah. but it's still a good um a good attendance for the league just uh, for united it's a notable decline considering mm-hmm. um the 50 50 thousand that it was before um top yeah. scorer Jimmy Greenoff, 17 goals, 11 of those in the league. The key results, really, they had two, really the two wins over City in the league and then the semi-final win um, over Liverpool, which are 
the most remembered, but not really a lot to take home from United from this season in terms of um, good results. Maybe only that Liverpool result because the ones that are remembered mostly are the FA Cup final and probably even more than the FA Cup or just as much as the 5-3 to West Brom because those two are replayed so much and um, two very entertaining games. But, you know, you know the contrasting the way that United played at the, the time because they weren't that entertaining, but they involved into entertaining games. But just um, unfortunately for them, defeats, which probably sums up United at this time, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, absolutely. A little bit too open. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in football, <sighs> I'll run past it very quickly. Liverpool won the league title. Uh, and, then, and then, no, but a, a more romantic story, Forrest win the League Cup and the European Cup. And I think really it's Forrest's success, not so much Liverpool, but because Forrest were in the second division with United, there's like, there go, you know what I mean? They, there's, you know, yeah. It was, they really felt that they could have had that if they'd have got the right backing with the players or kept, um, kept Docky in charge. So... Um, yeah, Forest's success is very romantic, but United kind of wistful looking at it, thinking, yeah, that could have been us. Um, but it wasn't. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Maybe yeah. Dave Sexton can deliver a, a trophy or a league title next time round. We'll be back to find out um, and look at United's 80, um, 79 80 season. That's what we'll be looking at. Um, Sexton's third season in charge. Hopefully it'll be much better than the one that we've just reviewed. If you've enjoyed watching the video, please give us a like and subscribe and join in the conversation in the comment section. If you listen back to the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and give us a review on the platform that you're listening on. We will be back soon to discuss that 79.8. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.